Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Those magnificent and filthy humans. Written by Chaparthing. My assignment aboard the human Nakato joint research vessel was an unexpected boon for my medical education. I'd labored for four filthy years in the scum-covered drone pits deep in the nests of the homeworld. I detested my station and the filth that came with it, treating the very dirtiest of our society. Always a new case of chitin rot, always more filth. I spent all free time grooming myself and studying my medical texts. Truly a thankless position. But that was all set to change. Having the chance to work with Xeno Krug would undoubtedly elevate me above my monospecies quality five clutchmates. If I proved myself, I could finally rise from the filthy pits and become a practitioner in one of the hub worlds, where the sun shined and the air was clean, away from all the filth. I would be in a position of note, perhaps treating dignitaries with the great merchants. It was a powerful position to be a doctor of the influential. But for now, I was aboard an expedition. I would not let the dreams of the future botch my duties of the present. My first duty aboard the ship was a total crew inspection. Much of the crew were Nakata, which made inspections easy. And to add to my delight, all the crew were Navy cast, partial individuals with pride in their bodies, no chitin rot, no hairline fractures in the antennae, not even a single case of mandible plaque. All in all, very healthy and an unfilthy crew. Then came the humans. I'm sure the non-humans of the subreddit will share my opinion, and to the human minority, I must apologize, but humans are deeply filthy creatures. I say this without malice, but you must realize, but you must realize that Naketo society is built upon cleanliness. The more time one is to groom themselves, the higher station they are perceived to be. Cleanliness in Naketo society truly is next to godliness. Many of my grievances with the human hygiene are of no fault to the humans, but rather their environment and evolution. Their fingernails, such a strange concept, collect an awful array of disgusting... What was the term they used for it? Cheese? Doubtly so for their feet, which are insist on covering with shoes and boots, rather than allowing the flesh to harden in honest calluses. What perturbs me greatly is that humans call both disgusting nail filth and common food item by the same name. What species does that? And then there's the matter of hair. Hair, in my understanding, should be something in a small well-groomed patches in one's appendages for aiding the touch on sensing changes in the air. Humans, by contrast, are covered in stuff and grow it at such an alarming rate that a healthy industry has grown around the expedient removal of it. Human hair gets everywhere and drives me to such a state that I occasionally spent hours in my cabin grooming myself from top to bottom like a queen before a coronation. On the plus side, my chitin looks fabulous. 
For much of the medical checkup, I went through the motions, consulting virtual intelligences on the more obscure conditions of my human norms. However, then there was patient 48, Janine McMulty. Janine entered my sickbay with a scheduled time as we were passing the end of the soul's gravitational influence. My antennae twitched while the artificial gravity fully kicked in. Her frame was remarkably frail for a human and walked with a slow, calculated grace that reminded me of the queens of my homeworld. I motioned for her to sit down while the VI fetched a file. I combed through it while she sat down and waited. Eyes narrowed in the first report of the file. March 15, 2043. Diagnosis cerebral palsy, partial. Mother consulted regarding abortion. Mother declined, proceeding with birth. Monitoring. May 02, 2043. Retained at St. Region General Hospital. Reason premature birth. May 04, 2048. Diagnosis confirmed cerebral palsy. When I asked her about her condition, Janine was quite candid. She explained that she couldn't move her arms above her head and had limited ability to walk. As a medical practitioner and a professional held by mandibles, and didn't mention that she was walking normally. I asked her the normal questions, but as she answered, I continued going through her file. It was clear that she had serious physique disorder and showed no signs of it. No seizures, no twitching muscles, she barely even had a speech impediment. I was curious, so sue me. I examined more than one Naketo cadaver with similar conditions. They either suffered alone if their egg was damaged during the pregnancy, or the entire clutch died after a few months of struggling. I won't say that it was always lethal, but I'd never seen a Naketo cadaver with this condition that was an adult. May 23rd, 2048. Operation Seizure Mitigation Chip Implant. It was clear Janine could see my curiosity. I asked her directly if this report was true, if the years were wrong. I couldn't fathom the idea of an infant having a neural surgery done. Even the most primitive Naketo drones aren't allowed to have neural surgery until they've reached a stable age. Again, Janine was forthright with her information. She told me the first that her seizures had been bad enough that they'd risked kidding her. Her parents made the choice. Permanent damage or surgery with coin toss odds of her surviving. I apologized for peering, but Janine wasn't perturbed. Humans are fickle with their reproductive organs. I assure you this tangent isn't out of the blue as it were. Naketa are blessed for the most part. All of our organs tucked nicely into the slits in the case with most drones. Simply don't have them. Humans, on the other hand, have no choice but to flaunt what they have. Combined with their dangerously flimsy skin and it's no wonder that they wear non-essential clothes all the time. I mentioned this because as part of their physical, I did have to do a full inspection. Janine understood, and I offered her an option of fabric barrier for modesty reasons. She mentioned that she'd spent much of her time in hospitals and didn't mind. It was under her jumpsuit that I found more evidence of humanity's ingenuity. Scottish covered most of her appendages, and where the world would normally be muscles were clusters of solid rods under her skin. I had to check a file. I didn't understand. I couldn't understand. October 13th, 2068. Operation Muscle Cluster Replacement, one-fifth right arm. January 1st, 2069. Operation Nervous System Fiber Optic Augmentation. My mandibles were agape. No, 
There was no way an organic creature could sustain such invasive procedures. This was a physical disorder. Genuine, damaged nervous tissue. No race could play God like this. Collecting myself, I asked Janine to raise her arms. With a steady pace, she raised her arms above her head. I was close enough to hear the faint whir of electric motors under her skin. I went about my checklist, examining the injection sites, signs of sexually transmitted infections, and undocumented injuries. I gave her a clean bill of health, but my curiosity was still burning. When she was fully dressed, I asked her how her family could have afforded to give her so many procedures. There had to be several hundred thousand credit worth of augmentation and experimental procedures listed in her file, and that was when she told me something I still have not forgotten. It was all covered, all provided for by one of the many Earth governments. I choked up the real feet when you realize that the Kato don't have lungs. I'd never seen such generosity, such determination for life. Our species was no stranger to medical procedures. Even simple labor drones are entitled to aid, but nothing on the scale of what Janine had. There she was, a happy individual with a brilliant mind taking a part in a joint science expedition, all thanks to the generosity and determination of an entire species. I can't imagine the pain and trauma such a person would go through on a road to recovery, but again, here she was. After the expedition came to an uneventful end, I was reassigned. I found myself drifting towards the homeworld. Despite a lifetime of dreaming of working on the glistening hub worlds as a renowned practitioner, I set up shop on the drone pits. My clutchmates dismissed this as a waste of potential, that I was reducing my station by working in such filthy conditions. But after working with humans, I had two new appreciations. The first was filth. Do not mistake my words, I still take pride in having a gleaming chitin, and amid the workers, I'm easy to spot. One preceptive drone joked that all one needs to find me is a torch, and I'll shine like a beacon. But what I did learn was that filth did not denote goodness. Humans, for as filthy as they were, were still the most generous species that I had ever met. I'm not deluded and know full well that every species has their dirty parts. And cruel, the greedy, and all the rest that comes with a species made entirely of individuals. But like a fingernail gunk, a little dirt does not blemish the whole. The second was war life itself. After that checkup with Janine, my entire perception of medicine had changed. The determination for life that humanity has is enviable. So many irrevocable resources were poured into helping Janine overcome something that a hundred years ago would have left her dead in infancy. Yet, when I took to my own people, ones who'd colonized a dozen systems and mastered space travel, we who called ourselves one of the great races, all I could see was how we treated our drones, the backbone of our entire civilization. Few had names aside from pet names given to drones whose quirks were found to be admirable, and they were treated with only the most basic aid even though they took the greatest risks. I know they do not have the same emotions and feelings as us, but they are still our own. They feel pain and no sadness. I did not start a revolution, nor did I bring about a great change, but what I did do was go into my humble clinic every day with a renewed sense of purpose. 
I treated the drones as my patients and not as my obligation. I made the passing comfortable for the elderly and mortally wounded drones. I treated their wounds and ailments the same way that humans treated their own. And I hope that someday we, as one of the great races, can be like the humans, as filthy and as beautiful. Perhaps just a bit cleaner, though. End of story. Story number two. Humanity's Elite, written by Hitchingpotamus. They came to the stars with a mission. Humanity sent out their specialists to every world to find resources that we had overlooked. Some things that they found no race had ever dreamed of using. Others had been hoarded. Galactic custom was that certain barriers were not to be crossed and certain things were to not be traded. The humans didn't care. If that had been all, we would have just written them off as quirky. These elite cadre of humans trained at a single academy and one a small island nation of their homeworld didn't stop there, though. They brought their own resources, techniques, and technologies to bear and made new wonders, the likes of which we had never seen. One by one, entire cultures fell, mesmerized by the now-human creations. The creativity was endless, bringing to bear heat, cold, even using controlled microorganisms to achieve their ends. Eventually, they would so dominate a planet that one would be named its champion and return to Earth to compete against other experts for various cultures in daring matches of skill. These contests of daring and creativity were broadcast, at first only on Earth, but later throughout the galaxy. We later learned that these competitions had existed on Earth for centuries, and that these builders and shapers had long been competing for fame and glory. Now, there is another milestone. For the first time, the Academy has admitted a non-human to its ranks. They have yet named a champion for my world, and I think that they are hoping that I can become the first native champion since the original human champions represented their own cultures. I won't let them or my people down. The humans are amazing, but they don't know Crontono like I do. I will be the first non-human to achieve the hallowed rank of Iron Chef. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.